0: Generation Anthropocene is supported by Stanford School of Earth, Energy and Environmental Sciences. Find out more at earth.stanford.edu. We're also supported by Worldview Stanford. You can find out more about Worldview at worldview.stanford.edu. 4.6
1: billion. The Earth forms. Cambrian 542 million. Complex life explodes. Permian-Triassic 251 million. 90% of species die. Cretaceous-Tertiary 65 million.
0: Meteor kills the dinosaurs.
1: 55 million. Primates appear. 2.3 million. Pleistocene 200,000. Humans
0: 20,000.
1: Agricultural 250. Revolution. Industrial
0: revolution 60. great acceleration. The Anthropocene. Welcome to Generation Anthropocene, where we tell stories of people, the planet, and people on the planet. I'm your host, Mike Osborne, and today we have a short piece. This story, which was brought to us by Anna Lee, is about a biodiversity hotspot that until recently we knew very little about. But as it turns out, this is one of the most important places for people across the world. Here's Anna reporting on The Ecosystem Within. Environmental scientists study ecosystems, predator-prey relationships, food and energy supplies, invasive species, and the role of climate. And it turns out all of those complex ecosystem dynamics are also playing out in your gut. This ecosystem is called the gut microbiome, and it's made of tiny organisms that live in our intestines. In recent years, scientists have been learning more and more about the ways this microbial ecosystem within affects countless aspects of our lives and our health. Justin Sonnenberg is a researcher at Stanford's medical school, and he says that until recently, the biodiversity in our bellies was underappreciated.
1: There are hundreds of different species of bacteria, but then in addition to that, there's fungus, there's archaea, and then there are also bacteriophages, so little viruses that infect bacteria, and so there's predator-prey interactions going on in there. It's this incredibly dense world living inside of us, and it um, fits all the definitions of a complex ecosystem. It's a bit like a rainforest.
0: Imagine that you could shrink down to the size of a nanoparticle and explore your own internal ecosystem. If you were hanging out in just one teaspoon of gut contents, you would see 10 times more microbes than there are humans on the planet. Those microbes would be gathering and eating food, dodging predators, and evolving to adapt to a rapidly changing environment. When we start to look at our gut microbiota as a microscopic ecosystem, as complex as a rainforest, a prairie, or the deep ocean, we suddenly open up a whole category of new questions. What are the ecosystem's essential components? Are there foundational keystone species? What are the ecosystem services? How much does biodiversity fluctuate? And, maybe more importantly, how do our actions affect the system? One of the major ways in which we might disrupt our gut microbiome is by taking antibiotics.
1: Antibiotics just wreak havoc. It's like a a forest fire ripping through a forest. And then afterwards, the repopulation is a, um, a very scary scenario because you may get regrowth of the native species, or you may get weeds taking over and inducing disease in the gut.
0: Antibiotics are, of course, a critical tool in modern medical treatments. They're really good at killing infectious microbes. But they're also really good at killing all the other microbes. They don't discriminate between the harmful ones and the good ones. They just wipe them all out. Justin says the ecological succession in a post-antibiotic, wiped-out gut is hard to predict. You might see gradual rebuilding of the community you had, or you might get opportunistic organisms acting like invasive weeds. And that can be a problem for us, because our gut microbial ecosystem, like any ecosystem, functions best when it has a certain balance to it.
1: What we've realized just over the past uh, four or five years is that these microbes are not just a kind of interesting component of our biology, but they're actually fundamental. It's like an, a new organ that we've discovered. They're integrated into everything. They're not just important in digestion, they're not just important in gut health, but they're fundamentally linked to our systemic immune system, to our metabolism. They influence our central nervous system so they can influence moods and behavior. So it's really this control center for human biology that is made up of microbes that's living in our gut.
0: The coevolution between us and our microbes occurred over thousands of years, and our relationship with them is symbiotic. We offer the microbes a place to live, and we feed them with the fiber that we ingest. In turn, they provide us with the nutritional byproducts of their metabolism. But our diets have changed dramatically over time, especially when it comes to how much dietary fiber we consume. What that means for our microbes is that their environment has shifted. It's like cutting down a rainforest. When you alter the environment that drastically, key species start to disappear. Scientists have done comparison studies on groups of people with different diets. One of the most striking revealed a huge difference between the microbial diversity of people eating a Western diet and that of indigenous populations around the world, who tend to consume more fiber and less processed food. It turns out that indigenous populations have way more bacterial diversity.
1: So where you and I may have on the order of 1,000 to 1,200 species of bacteria in our gut, they have 1,600. So a full third, again, more bacterial species. And so we really don't know the meaning of that in terms of biology, but we know from studying other ecosystems that when you remove huge groups of species from an ecosystem, it starts to function and interact with its environment, our body, very differently.
0: In a recent study... Justin and his colleagues examined the implications of that magnitude of species loss over time, especially as we pass along those less diverse microbiomes to our offspring, down through the generations.
1: We've been very interested in this idea that we have a deteriorated microbiota in the modern world, and um, wanted to, to look at how that possibly could have happened? What are the factors that could have contributed to um, our deteriorated microbiota? And so we specifically wanted to look at diet, and particularly the huge decrease in dietary fiber. Could this be contributing to a loss of microbiota diversity?
0: So they got some mice and fed them a low-fiber diet. And then they let the mice breed and put their pups on a low-fiber diet. Then they let those mice breed and did it again. They did it for five generations and measured the gut microbial diversity for each successive generation.
1: What we see is compounding microbiota extinction over the course of generations. So in generation one, those microbes that are forced to low levels by low dietary fiber, they're not passed on to the next generation. And then those mice, the second generation, they're on a low fiber diet. They have pups, and they don't pass on microbes that are at low levels. And so we just see the sequential depletion of microbes over the five generations.
0: While it's not so easy to replicate those experiments in humans, the implication is that over time, our modern diet could lead to microbe extinction. While this is obviously troubling, the good news is that the depletion might not be permanent. We can actually use a kind of conservation strategy, known as rewilding, to recover microbial diversity so long as we can support the ecosystem.
1: And one thing that we know from from studies that have been done in mice and humans is once you reintroduce a microbe that's been lost from a microbiota, it won't stick around unless it receives proper reinforcement. So the right diet, the right other community members that support its metabolism, remember this is a complex food web.
0: So if we do want to rewild our guts, it's not as simple as just rounding up the microbes we need and sticking them back in there. If we want to be good stewards of our gut microbial environments, Justin says we should focus on engineering an ecosystem that would support the microbes we want.
1: There are are still big things that most of us can do in our lives to help nurture a healthy microbiota. I I would say far and away the biggest thing is to increase dietary fiber um, that you consume. This is just um, complex plant polysaccharides, so vegetables, legumes, whole grains, uh, nuts.
0: He also incorporates a lot of fermented foods into his diet.
1: Because they're delicious, but also because they appear to support health in, in various ways, um, I think you can think about it a little bit as bet hedging. So just try to get as much microbial diversity that's safe into your life as possible. That appears to be a, a good, safe thing to do.
0: The science around microbiomes and human health is still very new. We haven't yet figured out the best strategies for ecosystem management, but scientists like Justin Sonnenberg are starting to unearth new insights and to open up categories of questions we never could have imagined. What's remarkable is how these questions mirror the broader environmental issues we face in the Anthropocene. What does good stewardship look like for this ecosystem? When do we intervene, and when do we let nature run its course? How much responsibility do we assume when it comes to biodiversity? These are the big questions we're confronting across the planet, but they also apply to the ecosystems we carry around with us every day. And ultimately, the fate of all of these ecosystems, both within us and around us, is intricately interwoven with our own.